0: And as my dad just said, I'm your host, Mike Moynihan. And this week I'm gonna do, you know, I'm how do I say this? <clears throat> I've been a little bit sullen, been a little bit crying in my beard lately about the hobby, and I admit it. And been a little bit a wh- bit whiny about the hobby and how it's growing, and you know my thoughts about it, all that kind of stuff. I've done some videos about it. But for my podcast here, I wanted to kind of show the other side of that of where I'm getting mentally. And one of my friends said, man, Mike, it just sounds like you need a hug. And he's not wrong. But I've been stuck in this funk about the hobby. And not feeling not great. That's not a great thing, by the way, to ever be in a funk. And it's funny, you know, my dad does my intro. And for those of you that don't know, that really is my dad. And my dad blessed me with a wonderful, I think he passed it down to me. I think it's genetically ingrained in my DNA of being a collector. And if you're a collector, there's a certain mindset that goes with that. There's the aspect of the hunt and the, the joy of completing things and looking and and finding and all of those things getting good deals and striking bargains and all of that stuff goes into being a collector and having that mindset it also goes in it can also the negative side of that is there can be hoarding problems and accumulation and trouble letting go and you know so there's not it's not always a positive thing but the things that my dad has given me over the years when I was growing up constantly we would go to flea markets and thrift shops and stuff. And my dad is a tool collector, so he collects tools. And the it's funny, he has a huge wood shop and he's incredibly talented. He made the beast. He's made, you know, things over the years. There's lots of furniture in my house that was handcrafted by my father. And it's an amazing talent that he has and a love and a passion for it that is awesome. But he has a sign in his wood shop It says, the best thing I make with these tools is friends. And I think that's actually true about our hobby as well, about the sports card hobby. The best thing I've ever done, the best thing that's ever happened to me with cards is the friends that I've made through it. Ironically, that's only been the last seven or eight years that I've been doing YouTube. And really, probably only the last five years that I've really been doing YouTube then I've been able to form friendships that are way beyond cards and it's the cards that connect us, but it's the friendships that grow out of that from that spark of collecting that's that, you know, United spark that United collector mentality that we have that uh, is awesome. It's the best thing about this hobby period. Nothing else is even close not the money. Dang sure, not the money. And I think that's what's been really bugging me is the money part of the hobby has really been bothering me a lot lately. I'm kind of tired of everybody just talking about money, 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 and how much they've made, and they invested in this card, and it went up, and they sold it, and they made a mint, and you know, good for them. But that's not why I, or many of us, got into this hobby. I got into it as a kid, and as I was going around flea markets with my dad and we'd find a booth that had sports cards, baseball cards, especially. I would always ask to buy a pack as I'm lugging around, you know, a block plane or a hammer or something my dad had bought. I was always his little mule and happy to do it. Loved just being, spending time with him and all that. Uh, But occasionally we would find cards and I remember getting some packs and Always just that little bit of joy of opening a pack in the early 80s, mid 80s. So much fun. And I I think a lot of the joy has been sucked out of the hobby because it's been so money driven lately. It just feels like that's all people are talking about. And so I think that's what's been bothering me. And so what I've decided to do is the topic tonight on this episode is going to be about building a vintage set. And the reason I got this idea was I had a comment on one of my videos from a, from a watcher and he suggested buying a vintage or accumulating a vintage set. And that literally just went Eureka in my brain of that's a great idea because when I was a kid, I would, and probably a lot of us as kids tried to build a set by either buying boxes or whatever, and you wanted to complete the set. And if you remember that joy of getting that set or putting it in a binder and all of those things, having all the cards and looking at them and just enjoying them, I've missed out on that a lot lately. Uh, I just haven't participated in that part of the hobby in a long, long time. Now, I buy a top set every year. I have every top set as a matter of fact from 1973 to now so a lot of my watchers on youtube certainly know that because they've heard me say it before and but for you podcast listeners you don't maybe know tons of my background in the hobby but i love having a complete set of tops but they're all in boxes i don't have them in binders that's very intentional because of space constraints etc but I've wanted to start going backwards. I wanted to start, I'd love to have every top set, right? Who wouldn't? (laughs) I mean, that'd be awesome. And I know there's a bunch of guys out there in the community that collect sets and I envy them and admire them for doing that. I think it's really, really cool. And they just build sets slowly and meticulously and patiently. And again, I admire that. So I thought, that's a really great idea. When that guy commented that, I had this just eureka moment and thought, I'm going to do the same thing. And so I'm going to start this journey tonight. I'm going to talk about it tonight. And hopefully, I'll I'll hopefully be able to give updates as I acquire more cards and stuff. And I'm going to specifically start with the 1960 Tops set. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build that set. I'm going to put it in a binder keep it in a binder so that i can look at it and the reason i'm doing 1960 tops is that was always one of those super vintage sets that i just thought was so cool looking i mean you've got 1960 tops we're all intimately familiar with it but it's you know the horizontal cards it's actually the last set that tops did that's all horizontal pictures it's actually got two pictures. You got a color photo and then a inset kind of black and white photo. And the cards are so colorful and the names are all different colors. And the combinations are interesting and questionable. And it's got the really awesome all-star cards and some great rookies. And so it's always a set that I've loved. In fact, when I started collecting vintage again and doing, trying to get all the Hall of Famers in a certain set, 1960 was the first one that I did for that reason that because it it just has, it evokes so many memories for me and, and being a kid and just thinking those cards were so cool. And 1960 tops is not a huge set. Um I'm going to, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see this, but I'm going to share my screen because there's a great resource out there for people that if you just want to go learn about any top set, any set period, not just tops, but any set. And that's called the Cardboard Connection. And it's just the CardboardConnection.com. And you can search and find all these things about these different sets. And 1960 Tops, it tells you about the product. It tells you how it was issued. It tells you the history of that set. It has some pictures, some examples It breaks it down into what series were there. It gives you a checklist, which is great. And uh, just kind of talks about it. So the 1960 top set was issued in seven series, the high number series, series seven, uh, five, cards 507 to 572 are pretty difficult to get, actually. Um, that's where the all-star cards are as well, but it is, they have different colored backs and some cream and gray backs and etc. So I'm just going to try to get one card, <coughs> one of each card. I don't necessarily going to try to get all the variations and the different backs and all that kind of stuff, but you know, it was a standard size set two and a half by three and a half. And it's just a gorgeous set to me. Um, so there's factors in also determining me doing 1960 tops and why I'm choosing to do that is number one, it is, only 572 cards, which is a lot, but it's not a lot, you know, to sets today or 700 cards back when, when I was a kid, it's like 792. That's just what you always knew. I don't know why 792. I wish maybe somebody could tell me that. Why did tops do 792 uh, and, and not 800 or some round number? But I always remember sets as a kid being 792 set 92 cards. And, uh, So 572 cards in the 1960 top set is not crazy. The other things that I love about the 60 top set is I already have every hall of famer card from that set raw or not raw, uh, graded. I have them in PSA slabs, every single one of them. And so ironically, that's a lot. What's cool also about the 60 top set is there's so many great players in the set. I mean, you've got, Mantle, and Mays, and Aaron, and Clemente, and Banks, and Eddie Matthews, and, you know, Don Drysdale, and Sandy Koufax, and just Duke Snyder, Yogi Berra. So many great players. Warren Spawn's in the set. Stan Musial's in the set. Uh, just again, lots and lots of star players and great cards to go get. So and I'm blessed to already have all of them. So um, that's awesome. Uh, So what I've done is I took the checklist and I made a spreadsheet on my massive spreadsheet of kind of my entire collection of all different projects and whatnot that I'm working on. And I just copied and pasted the checklist and I'm just going to track which cards I acquire over time. I've already put in all the hall of famers that I have. And so at this point, I have actually a few. I only and another good reason to do the set is I only had a few um, kind of common cards. I guess not very many at all. These are going to go into the binder that I have already. Uh, I do have an extra Nelly Fox, and if I get some Hall of Famers, I'm just going to put them into the binder. If I get them raw, so I won't be mad if I get them necessarily. I'm not. I'm just not going to be out hunting and looking for them because we all know those are the most expensive cards in any vintage set. Uh, 60 tops has two key rookies in it, really three, two key ones. And then a couple of kind of, wow, interesting. Uh, you have the Yastrzemski rookie, which is I'm showing it on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube, but I have the 60 tops car. Yastrzemski rookie is a, is a classic card. And also the Willie McCovey rookie is in the 1960 top set as well. And then the two kind of what I would call I would call them star rookies is uh Jim Cot who someday might be a hall of famer, but Jim Cott's in that set and uh, actually have that card too. So that's great. I already have that one in a PSA seven. And then Frank Howard is also has a rookie card in that set, which I don't have yet. that will be one I get to go hunt for. So you've got again, superstar power all across the set. I have all of those already. So it's going to make, Completing the set significantly less expensive, not necessarily less difficult, I don't think, but just less expensive. And uh, so, current and there's almost sixty-ish, fifty-nine or sixty Hall of Famers pictured on uh, the sixty tops cards. So that's ten percent of the check of the checklist already, pretty much that I've already knocked out. And so that means I. Essentially, I have 63 cards already. Given the again this mattering of comments that I already have, and so I need 509 more cards. So I've kind of got this goal in mind. Uh, Whenever you're a collector, I think it's important to set goals. Set goals for yourself that are high but achievable. That's true of any goal in life, but for cards, it's that's cool because all right, I need 500 cards. How do I get them? you know, I've never accumulated a vintage set before. And so I've been thinking through this and have some ideas and would love to get some feedback from anyone that has any other thoughts on picking these up. But I know that at shows, especially the national, you can go to boxes and there's just commons of all these old sets and you just kind of pick through them and whichever ones you, I see guys there sitting at a table with checklists and, they're marking off cards as they pick them up for their sets for whatever set they're building. And so I'm going to be one of those guys now, but my goal is to to get to where I can finish it by the national, if that makes sense. Like I I don't necessarily need it done by the national, but I want to be able to go to the national only needing a few cards and hopefully pick those up there to finish the set. That would be a goal of mine. And, also what's great is you can buy lots. Um, that's another way that I plan on attacking this set is not buying it card by card, but instead buying lots of 20 cards or 30 cards or 50 or hundred or whatever, I can find searching eBay and the various different places that I can look for you know, big groups of cards. So my goal is twofold. Number one, to try to get it completed by the end of the national as I just said, and to try to do it for under $1,000 for all the cards that I still need. So again, I need 509 cards. So that's just under $2 a card, like just a shade under $2 a card. I think if I can, which is a lot of money, but it's still, it's, again, the hobby shouldn't be about the money. It's about building something and remembering. And uh, I don't know. I. I hope you guys can relate to what I'm talking about because I feel like it's hard to really articulate that feeling of buying these old cards and I condition, I don't know that I'm, you know, I I'd like them to be nice, but I'm not like, man, they gotta be crispy minty. I just want the card. And so I, uh, plan on just buying lots and, Picking up what I can. And I'm sure some of the lots will have overlap and duplication. And that'll be fun to figure out which one of the, you know, if I get a dupe of a card, keeping the best one in the set, having the extra one just to trade, or who knows. Uh, just excited about that process. I'm really, really excited. I haven't been, again, been excited about something really in the hobby for a while. So I'm really looking forward to this endeavor, this project, this adventure. And uh hopefully you guys. Will enjoy going along with it uh, with me. So again, I need 509 cards. I needed a lot of cards. Uh, I'm probably going to post this my checklist on a Google sheet so that everybody can kind of see and follow along. And if you have cards uh, from 1960 tops that you just uh, are, are ready to sell or or you know help me out, whatever, I be, I'd love to talk to you. Uh, love you to get in touch with me and we can work something out. Um, I'm more than happy to buy them. So I'm not asking for any freebies here or anything. So let's just say, I'll throw it out there. I'll put a link down below in the description, description of the video. And you can see that, uh, and see where I'm at and then get in touch with me or whatever. And then on the podcast if you're listening to this on the podcast you can get a hold of me through instagram and my instagram handle is baseball collector mike and uh you can just say hey send me your checklist and i'll see what i have or whatever and we can work something out and i will email you a link to that or or dm you a a link to that so get get a hold of me that way um cuz i i think involving others in in your in that is so much fun and I've helped other people with stuff in their collection and adding things to their collection. And it's, it's really, really fun. If it becomes a collaborative effort to achieve a goal, it just feels like, Hey, we're, we're, this is so much fun. And hopefully uh, others will want to help me accomplish this goal. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that works out. I'm happy to go hunt eBay and look for them all there. That's no problem. I have no problem doing that. And uh, again, I I've got a few months to to knock that out. And again, I don't need any of the really expensive cards. So again, that's good. It'll make it much much easier. And uh, yeah, so I'm I, again the joy of doing that is is the driver, the excitement of doing that. I've got my binder ready. I've got all my pages. I'm ready to go. Uh, starting to build this up, and. Anyway, uh, I'd love to hear feedback, just what you think. Good idea, bad idea. Uh, Hopefully you can hear the joy and excitement in my voice and see it in my face if you're watching this on YouTube because it's kind of turning a corner for me and I hope it's not the last of those. I hope it's not, you know, I hope I have so much fun with this that it makes me want to do another vintage set and another and another and another to where over time I can fill in the gap from 1951 to 1972, which are the sets that I still need. And those, what's fun about those is they don't have, you know, after I have a goal for this one, but on the next one, I'll set a goal and there doesn't have to be a time limit. There doesn't have to be a, you just do it slowly over time. So uh, again, that's uh, something I'm super stoked about. And yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what's going on. So I'm I'm kind of turning the frown upside down. I'm I'm getting on the other side of that gloomy feeling that I had about the hobby and where it's going, what I see out there and the attitudes of people. That doesn't have to be my attitude. That doesn't have to be my reality. I can choose how I want this hobby to be for me. And this is the next step that I'm taking to to make it joyful again. So hopefully everybody out there is doing well and staying safe. And uh, I know this is a little bit shorter episode, but I just wanted to introduce this idea, this project. uh, And over time, I will uh, keep you guys updated and appraised of my progress. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate everybody out there. Have a great one and keep collecting.